שלום ויום טוב. Okay, give me one second. Let's pray. Elohi Avraham, Elohi Yitzhak, Elohi Yaakov, Elohi Yeshua Mishikenu. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, God of Yeshua our Messiah, we come to you, Lord, on this holy Sabbath day. God, this day of Yom Kippur, and Lord, we are grateful for your mercy and your compassion. God, we're thankful that you are abundant in kindness and slow to anger. And Father, as we have confessed our sins today, Lord, as we have sought your face and will continue to do so, Abba, we pray, Lord, may our lives always find favor in your eyes. And we ask it, B'Shem Yeshua Mishikainu, and God's people said, Amen. The title of the message this morning is Life from Death. Last night I spoke about mediation and our need for a mediator according to Torah, that to, to successfully or have a successful Yom Kippur, one needed a mediator that even if you were the most sincere worshiper, you could not take your sacrifice into the most holy place. And without the mediator or mediation, atonement could not be made. That we cannot rely on ourselves, and that the high priest, the Kohen Haggadol, was and still is in the Messiah, the mediator, on our behalf. Another component to securing atonement, just as important as mediation, is the sacrifice itself. After all, a mediator without a sacrifice would be equally insufficient to procure ritual expiation of sin on Yom Kippur. So we're going to read from Vayikra chapter 16. It's um, Leviticus 16. It's the chapter that gives the specific requirements about Yom Kippur. And it says, next, he is to slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the curtain and do with its blood as he did with the bull's blood, sprinkling it on the ark cover and in front of the ark cover. He will make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And he is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is there with them right in the middle of their uncleanness. Come on, Rabbi. That is ancient history, something that was done in antiquity and is certainly not relevant for the modern Jewish worshiper. After all, we're just looking to recite a few prayers of repentance, promise to do some good deeds in the year ahead, and to go home with a relieved conscience. No one really expects a sacrifice in today's day and age, right? Kind of seems archaic. Well, I want to read you something straight off a Jewish website and following the following prayer is preceded by this introductory note. At dawn 
or early in the morning before Yom Kippur, take a live chicken, fish, or money, which, which will then be given to charity, and recite the following three times. Recite the first paragraph, do the rotations, and then recite the paragraph again. Children of man who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in misery and chains of iron, he will bring them out of darkness and the shadow of death. He will sunder their bonds. Foolish sinners afflicted because of their sinful ways and their wrongdoings. Their soul loathes all food and they reach the gates of death. They cry out to the Lord in their distress. He saves them from their afflictions. He sends forth his word and heals them. He delivers them from their graves. Let them thank the Lord for his kindness and proclaim his wonders to the children of man. If there be for a man even one interceding angel out of a thousand accusers to speak of his uprightness and his behalf, then he will be gracious to him and say, Redeem him from going down to the grave. I have found expiation for him. When reciting the first 12 words below, rotate the chicken, fish, or money over your head. This is my exchange. This is my substitute. This is my expiation. This chicken shall go to death, and I shall proceed to a good, long life and peace. The fowl is then slaughtered in accordance with halakhic procedure. In most Jewish communities, this is again from the website, in most Jewish communities, kaparot is an organized event at a designated location. Live chickens are made available for purchase, ritual slaughterers are present, and the slaughtered birds are donated to a charitable organization. So, why is this still done today? Why, if prayer, repentance, and charity are good enough, why is it still practiced? The answer is obvious, because the sacrifice is still needed, and just like in the recitation at the end of the ceremony states, this chicken shall go to death, and I shall proceed to a good long life and peace. So in other words, from death comes life. The concept of substitutionary sacrifice is what the Mishkan and the temple were predicated on. There was an understanding that sin required the sinner to be put to death. But because of the merciful nature of God, he set up a system where an innocent animal would be sacrificed on behalf of the guilty worshiper. Now, some people who think that the God of the Older Covenant is different from the God of the New Covenant couldn't be more wrong. Because the God who has shown mercy consistently from the beginning of the book to the end of the book is the same, one and the same. He is a God full of mercy, full of compassion, slow to anger and abounding in love. One professor said that Kippur denotes a substitutionary process so plain as to need no comment in the cases where life is substituted for life. Since the Tanakh reveals the reality of divine wrath, it cannot be ignored or explained away as impersonal wrath, mild displeasure, mere irritation, or capricious passion. 
In nearly 600 texts in the Tanakh, more than 20 different Hebrew words provide a rich wrath vocabulary. Divine righteousness, holiness, and justice require divine retribution. Without divine retribution, divine mercy becomes nothing more than a vestigial appendage without function or purpose. According to Milgram, Kippur represents the phenomenon of the substitute or ransom, the substance to which the evil is transferred and thereupon eliminated. Thus, the use of the term Kippur explicitly related to both substitution and penalty. So you see what's going on here. Yom Kippur is a day where God's penalty is going to be averted through substitution. So in order to avoid this penalty of sin on Yom Kippur, the substitute takes our place and pays the penalty for our sins that we just confessed. The substitute's death brings us life. Let's read on from uh, Vayikra chapter 16. Next he is to slaughter the goat of the sin offering which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the curtain. When he has finished atoning for the holy place, the tent of meeting, and the altar, he is to present the live goat. Aharon is to lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the transgressions, crimes, and sins of the people of Israel. Selah. As I mentioned last night, you know, vidui or confessions is the essential part of the Yom Kippur service. Yet, biblically speaking, the confessions were not made by the worshiper. The confessions were made by the mediator. It was the Kohen Hagadol, the high priest, who confessed the sins of Israel upon the scapegoat. So even in our confessions, as sincere as we might be, we still need the mediator and we still need a sacrifice. He is to um, put them on the head of the goat and then send it away into the desert with a man appointed for the purpose. The goat will bear all their transgressions away to some isolated place and he is to let the goat go in the desert. And then in Vayikra Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, it says, For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for yourselves. For it is the blood that makes atonement because of the life. Oxford professor Giza Verms, one of the foremost Jewish scholars of the Dead Sea Scrolls, stated that according to Jewish theology, there can be no expiation without the shedding of blood. In kapara el abadam. Similarly, Professor Baruch Levine in his commentary on Leviticus for the Jewish Publication Society wrote, expiation by means of sacrificial blood rites is a prerequisite for securing God's forgiveness. As the rabbis expressed it, en kapara el abadam, there is no ritual expiation except by means of blood. Now compare those statements to the first century messianic rabbi who wrote these words. In fact, according to the Torah, almost everything is purified with blood. Indeed, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. 
The death of the substitute brings life to the worshiper. That's the meaning and the theme of Yom Kippur. Remember, this is my exchange. This is my substitute. This is my expiation. Now, this is where they lose me. This chicken shall go to death and I shall proceed to a good long life and peace. The second thing we see about the sacrifice and Yom Kippur is the death of the righteous atones. Would the Holy One, blessed is he, dispense judgment without justice? But we may say that he whom God loves will be chastised. For since the day of the holy temple was destroyed, the righteous are seized by death for the iniquities of the generation. The Yevin Metzulah. Orthodox Jewish historian Rabbi Beryl Wine in his book, The Triumph of Survival, the Story of the Jews in the Modern Era, 1650 to 1990, said this, It was an old Jewish tradition that the death of the righteous and innocent served as an expiation for the sins of the nation or the world. The Talmud states in many places that the death of the righteous atones. Numbers 19 uh, or a comment on that in Moed Ketan 28a, Rabbi Ami said, Why is Miriam's death connected with the Torah portion about the red heifer? This is to tell you that even as the red heifer atones, even so the death of the righteous atones. Rabbi Eliezer said, Why is Aharon's death? Connected with the priestly clothing, even as the priestly clothing atones, so the death of the righteous atones. Rabbi Hiyah ben Abba said, the sons of Aharon died on the first of Nisan. Then why is their death remembered on the day of atonement? This is to teach that as the day of atonement brings atonement, in the same way the death of the righteous brings atonement. This is a theme that is all throughout rabbinic writings, the death of the righteous atoning for sin. And I say that to show us that when we get to our third point, that it is quite logical to accept the atonement that God has indeed provided. Interesting that the theme of the death of the righteous is connected to Yom Kippur. Perhaps it's because God is preparing Jewish people to secure atonement apart from the temple an animal sacrifice that he knew would not remain. The Talmud speaks about the plague that came when King David numbered the people, connecting its end with the death of so unrighteous. Rabbi Eliezer said that the plague ended because the death of Abishai. Rabbi Eliezer said that the Holy One, blessed be he, said to the destroying angel, take for me a great man among them, that in him many debts can be paid for them, Samuel said he saw the ashes of Isaac as though he had been sacrificed. Here's another rabbinic midrash. Moses said to God, Will not the time come when Israel shall neither have neither tabernacle nor temple? What will happen with them then? 
The divine reply was, I will then take one of their righteous men and keep him as a pledge on their behalf so I may pardon or atone for all their sins. The children of the world are members of one another and when the Holy One desires to give healing to the world, he smites one just man amongst them and for his sake heals all the rest. These statements and lines are again you know, splattered all over Jewish writings. Where do we learn this? From saying he was wounded for our transgressions? See, they're telling us where they learned it. They learned it from Isaiah 53, right? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. By the letting of his blood, as when a man bleeds his arm, there was healing for us. For all the members of the body, in general, a just person is only smitten in order to procure healing and atonement for a whole generation. The atonement and suffering and death is not limited to the suffering person. The atoning effect extends to all the generation. This is especially the case with such sufferers as cannot either by reason of their righteous life or by their youth possibly have merited the afflictions which they have come upon. The death of the righteous atones just as well as certain sacrifices. Guys, the testimony is clear about that within Jewish literature. But God has done exactly that He has atoned for our sins through the righteousness that he has provided. Rabbinic scholar Solomon Schechter said this, this readiness to sacrifice oneself for Israel is characteristic of all great men of Israel. The patriarchs and the prophets acting in the same way while some rabbis would on certain occasions exclaim, Behold, I am the atonement of Israel. As this concept is developed further, we see that the death and suffering of just one can atone, which leads us to my third and final point, that the death of Messiah brings life. I don't think there is a Jew on the planet that would argue that the Mashiach, whether you believe he has come, or believe that he is yet to come, is indeed righteous. So to think that a righteous Messiah could die and atone for sin should be a very easy thing to understand. The Zohar says this, As long as Israel dwelt in the Holy Land, the rituals and the sacrifices they performed in the temple removed all those diseases from the world. Now, Messiah removes them from the children of the world. The Messiah took our place. We sinned. He died. We were guilty. He was punished. We deserved death. He gave his life. We rejected him. He accepted us. Dr. Michael Brown's comment about the Messiah. You know, when we think of Yom Kippur, From a biblical standpoint, 
And I want you to think beyond tradition, beyond what has always been practiced, beyond mere words and prayers. And look to the deeper meaning of Yom Kippur. There is a God who is in heaven. There is a holy place that is not man-made in the heavens. Who could go into that holy place and truly make atonement for one's life? We don't have a temple. We don't have a mediator in the flesh. Unless God was caught off guard or he somehow got it wrong or his timing was a little off, which I don't really think is the case. God knew exactly and precisely the predicament Israel would be in. And so, in his wisdom and his knowledge, he provided a way for Israel and all the nations to find atonement. That a day like today, Yom Kippur, doesn't have to be filled with wondering and wishing and hoping, perhaps if I'm good enough, perhaps if my prayers are sincere enough, if I beat my chef hard enough, and be careful there, that I would somehow find my name written in the book of life. God, no. Knowing that that would be a dilemma for his people provided away. In the extended Kedusha for the Yom Kippur Musaf service, we read this. Let there be an advocate for the ancient people. Our righteous Messiah is turned away from us. We shudder in horror and there is no one to justify us. He carries the load of our iniquities and the yoke of our transgressions. And he is wounded because of our transgressions. He bears the heaviness of our sins on his shoulder that he may find forgiveness for our iniquities. There is healing for us in his wound. That's from the art scroll Maksor for Yom Kippur. You know, as believers, some of us in this room who we are believers in the Messiah of Israel. Do we take for granted what he accomplished for us? As we reflect about Yom Kippur, knowing this, that we could not appease God without him, without his mediation, without him being in that place of intercession between God and man, without him being willing not only to be the mediator, but to also be the sacrifice for us. Without him, we cannot know God. Without him, we cannot, absolutely no way, find forgiveness or expiation for sin. You know, Yom Kippur is a day of confession, vidui, but it's a day to remember the goodness of God in providing atonement for his people. Like I said last night, no mediator, no atonement. But what can equally be said is no sacrifice, no atonement. But God has made a way. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes. We are healed. It's all dependent upon him, isn't it? 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, everyone, to his own way. And the ever-present Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's Yom Kippur. I said this last night, I believe it to be true, that we could really look at Isaiah 53 in light of Yom Kippur because in Isaiah 53 is where we're promised final atonement for sin from the Messiah. He was taken away in humiliation and judgment and who in his generation considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. Again, we see the suffering of the righteous one. It was their plague. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with a rich man at his death, because he had done no violence and no deceit in his mouth. Yet the ever-present Lord desired to bruise him, to put him to grief. Why? For the sake of the sins of Israel and of the world. God in his wisdom, knew what needed to be done. It goes on to say, when you make his soul a guilt offering, he will see his seed, he will lengthen his days, and the desire of the ever-present Lord will prosper in his hand. He will see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will make many righteous because he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion with the many. He will divide the plunder with the strong because he emptied his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he carried the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. In this passage, the Talmud Sanhedrin 98b and and in the Targums referred to the Messiah And it is evident that the ever-present Lord puts the Messiah to death as a guilt offering for the sins and the iniquity of the people. The Messiah bore the guilt. He is the sacrifice that the Kohen Haggadol would present. So God, in the person of the Messiah, gave us the mediator and the sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice himself because only the death of the righteous atones. So a human mediator would be insufficient. Only one who could come and live a sinless life could come and die and atone to provide final atonement for all. As a Messianic Jewish community, we have recognized that the Messiah has come At the time, the prophets in the Tanakh said he would. We as a community know that the Messiah Yeshua died for the sins of Israel and for the sins of the world, just like the prophets in the Tanakh said he would. This is important to be reminded of on this day of Yom Kippur, because God, who is rich in love and mercy toward us, wants us to understand that it is not our righteousness or our righteous acts, or our piety, or our sincerity, or our zeal and fervor that provides atonement for us. Friends, you're going to leave this service today, and I have no doubt within a very short time you will sin again, in thought or in deed. But God 
is not waiting for us to be righteous. Yeah, we try our best. But he has provided the righteous one. And because of the righteous one, God sees us through his intercessory role. And he sees his righteousness and credits it to our account. So it's not our prayers or our offerings that provide atonement for us on this day to make us righteous. None of these things will do. It is the sacrifice of the Messiah of Israel and his sacrifice alone atones. And because of that and because we place our trust in him who God approved, we can be assured that our names are written in the Sefer Chakai. That's what we go through this for, right? That's what these 10 days of awe are about. The books were opened on Rosh Hashanah. And we're believing that they'll be closed at the Nilah service today. And as every Jew hopes that his name is found written in the book, which is not a fairy tale, by the way. The, the Tanakh talks about the books and the book of life as does the Brit Chadashah. Wondering and hoping that our names are written in. We can have a humble confidence in a good and gracious God who has once and for all provided atonement for all Israel and the nations. Guys, do you think for a second, you know, if we would call God good, which we do, that God would leave us stranded? Never. God, rich in mercy, gave us a way. It's an unbelievable way. It's fantastical. You mean, if you just read the first, the the opening chapter, Three chapters of Genesis. Wow. And that same God, all the way through the book, including atonement for our sins, continues to do things in fantastic measure because he loves his creation. He loves you and he loves me. He loves Jewish folks and he loves the nations of the earth and he wants to see each one of them atoned and confident with a humble confidence, knowing that in him we could have peace and joy. Yochanan Aleph 5 and 20 in the Brit Chadashah says this, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us discernment so that we may know who is genuine. Moreover, we are united with the one who is genuine, united with his Son, Yeshua the Messiah, He is the genuine God and eternal life. I don't know about you. Some might trust a chicken to atone. I would much rather trust in the shed blood of the Messiah that God promised and sent right on time like he said he would without missing a a hitch. Wouldn't you?
Like I pointed out last night, you know, this day of Yom Kippur isn't to be taken lightly. If you read through the passage in Cross 16, it says three times that you are to do this forever. Perpetually celebrated. In other words, he wants us to reflect on how we are receiving atonement for our souls. Friends, there is no more important issue to really consider. I think we said it today. Life is but a vapor. You know what? If we live 70, 80, 90, Yogi Berra, 90, he done good. <laughs> like a vapor. Like that. Those of us with kids, I remember my kids, you know, clawing at my ankles. Now I look up to one of them. Time goes fast because our life is a vapor. So does God think Yom Kippur is important? Absolutely, to consider that in this vapor of a life, we're going to live on for eternity. And he wants us to know that we 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 have atonement in his eyes. We're going to st- you know, you're going to stand before a holy God one day by yourself, not with your spouse, not with a friend, by yourself. And what are you going to say? You're not going to have a chicken with you. You're not going to be able to have money with you. We're not going to have titles before a holy God. It's just going to be us in our bare state. The creator and us, the mere created. What would we say? God wants you to know that you don't really have to say a word. All you have to do is accept the provision that he provided. He sent the Messiah for you, Israel, for you, nations of the earth, so that you don't have to worry about a fearful judgment to come. You know, I know a lot of folks think the world might end. You know, there's a blood moon coming. You might think the world might end. Quite frankly, I don't care if it does. (laughs) Because the world to come is going to be much better. Although I think it highly, 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 highly unlikely. Trust me, after the 28th, okay, the world's going to spin on. And we're going to be here next Yom Kippur celebrating God's atonement and forgiveness again. But if it does end, or if we meet our end, he wants you to be assured right deep in your kishkas that you're going to see him, not with fearful trepidation, but with joy and love in your heart, knowing that you have accepted the Messiah, his atonement, and you're righteous in his eyes. So what I want to do with you now, if you're so inclined, we you know, spend the whole day in prayer, Right? So what's a couple of more prayers? I'm going to be praying from now until the Nila service anyway. Um, Let's pray and ask God's forgiveness and accept his atonement in the Messiah. Friend, there is no other way. 
I said it last night, Yeshua the Messiah came as the mediator of a better covenant, as the sacrifice, the Lamb of God who would take away sin, as per Isaiah 53. And he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, say no one, comes to the Father except through me. I am the gate. You can't go any other way. You can't go around the Messiah. You can't try to circumvent him by doing it yourself. You cannot go into the holy place with any type of offering on your own. God will not accept it. Only the one, the Kohen Haggadol, the high priest, the Messiah, could go and atone for us. But here's the great news. Everybody, everybody could receive this atonement. Jewish, non-Jewish, doesn't matter if you come from a high position or a low position. Every single one is eligible, and God plays no favorites. You can find atonement, forgiveness, the grace and mercy of God today. You could come back next Yom Kippur so filled with love in your heart for a God who would provide so richly for you and for me. Friend, I know who I am. And although we try as human beings to do the very best we can, boy, do we fall short. God is rich in mercy, and he's offering it to you today. Let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we do repent today for our many sins, transgressions, and crimes against your Torah, against your ways. God, we repent today for not accepting the atonement you provided through the Messiah, Yeshua, whom you sent. Abba, forgive me. I repent today of that sin. And I receive by faith the work that the Messiah did on my behalf and I put my trust in your word and in your testimony that the Messiah would provide atonement for my sin for all of Israel and for the nations of the earth Amen if you prayed that and you meant it and you believe it guess what you don't have to worry Are your names written in the book of life? They are absolutely written with indelible ink on the hand of God. You're in the book and nothing can take you out of his hand because he is a powerful and mighty God who loves his creation. Amen. At this point, um, I'm going to go ahead and recite the ironic benediction. And the service, the morning service, is concluded. However, we are going to be here throughout the day. The sanctuary will be open. Rabbi Carol and myself will come up several times, different times during that time, and lead who is ever here uh, in corporate confessions and prayer. It's also a wonderful time and opportunity for us as a believing Messianic Jewish community to pray for our Jewish brethren around the world. 
who's continue to suffer persecution, who are in need of God's grace, who need the saving power of the Messiah and his atoning blood. So we could pray and intercede for them as well as loved ones and family members and friends and neighbors as we pray today and seek the hand of God. So let's stand on our feet as I bless you. Um, I also would say, you know, we could schmooze a little bit afterwards, but uh, shortly after that, um, we're going to transition into prayer. So if you want to continue to to do an extended schmooze, you could do that in the the foyer. (laughs) So. Ivarecha Kadonai Vishmarecha Yurera Donai Panavilecha Vihunecha Yesara Donai Panavilecha Yesimlecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, I pray, Lord, your blessing be upon your people. Hashem Yeshua. Amen. Yom Tov.